I want to welcome you to the Retro Rogues Live. Please pay attention to our warning graphic. It states that the Retro Rogues Live show is intended for an adult audience and not intended for children under the age of 13. Parental discretion is advised. I want to welcome you to the show. On tonight's show, we're going to be talking about Cosmic Legion, uh, the new Four Horsemen action figure line. We are also going to be talking about some Doctor Strange trading cards. We've got some Streaming Wars news. And we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the passing of Norm Macdonald as well. All right. That and probably even maybe some surprises, actually, on tonight's episode of the Retro Rogues Live. I want to welcome you here to the show. My name is Dave Bate. I'm one of your hosts for nearly the last 30 years. I've been a professional illustrator and graphic designer. I have worked on a lot of fun things that some people have heard of, such as Batman Incorporated, Justice League of America, and even Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. But enough about that. I want to welcome back my great co-host. This is Mr. Eric Alexander. Eric, please tell the folks who will be watching or listening at home some of the fun things you have worked on as a creative professional. Yes, hello, everyone. I'm Eric Alexander, also known as Bass God 14. That's Bass God 14, not Bass God. That's Bass God, like a bass guitar. And I am the chief financial officer of Bad Bob Productions, which is a film production company located in Arizona. Uh, currently, I am the executive producer on uh, the film project called Staycation, uh, which has been filming primarily in California, but also all over the world uh, via Zoom. Very cool. Very cool. All right, I'm going to start the show off here just real quick with a couple of acquisitions I actually picked up. I was showing these to Eric actually before the show started. It's um, good stuff, folks. <laughs> I think they're cool. I mean, they're not terribly valuable per se, but they're valuable to me. So I have, been meaning, yeah, I have been meaning to pick this book up for a very, very long time. Um, and I finally just went ahead and did it. Um, I don't think anything's going to happen to cause this book to go up in value anytime soon, but... There's been a lot of weird random books that have been going up in value lately, so I was a little concerned. And I, I'd been dragging my feet to buy a copy of Superman number one. This is Superman number one from 1987. I've been dragging my feet to buy a copy of this because they're kind of everywhere. They're not terribly valuable. So I was like, oh, I'll just get one one day. I wasn't terribly worried about it. But there's been a lot of weird books that you wouldn't think would skyrocket in value. They've suddenly been skyrocketing in value. And I realized, you know what? I need to quit dragging my feet and pick up a copy of this book if I really want one. And I really want one. I'm a big Superman fan. I love the John Byrne era. This is actually of the early issues from when John Byrne took over Superman. This is one of the early issues I was missing. And I didn't have a copy of it just because um, I just I just missed it. Back in those days, I was actually buying my books actually off a spinner rack at a 7-Eleven uh, around the corner from my house. <laughs> and then the other acquisition, this is actually a gift from the Janimal former uh actually uh co-host of the in the studio retro retrospective show uh the janimal actually came out and visited me and actually brought me this this is star trek the motion picture this is actually the marvel comics magazine size adaptation very very cool i want to thank the janimal for uh coming out and visiting and bringing me this it was very nice of him to think of me he's like i know dave would like that and so he picked that up and that was very nice of him to do so thank you janimal all yeah, right. Those are some really cool acquisitions. Uh, we do have a couple comments here. Uh, Dave uh, David Mott says that he said, "Nice, I have that one." Regarding Superman, so uh, David Mott also has that one, and uh, good to see you, David Mott's. We're, we're great to have you on the show. And Asia said, uh, "John was so cutting edge back then." Uh, so that that's uh, a, a, an insight there from Asia. And then also uh, out on um, uh, YouTube. We've got Hollywood Jackson in the house. He says, hi, guys. Hey. Hi, Rogue's Gallery. So, Hi, Hollywood. Glad you're here. On, on YouTube tonight. So, Nice to have you here, Asia. Nice to see you. Um, 
Nice to see David Motts. I guess I got to say the full name, David Motts, right? Is that yeah. what we do? We'll just say, yeah. yeah. Nice, nice I, I think here, we David. also, we, we've said that we have to, we will say David for, for David Motts and we'll say Dave right. for you. You know what I mean? I, I won't. I, I always that. kind of forget. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, speaking of which, he, David Motts says, 7-Eleven was my go-to for comics when I was young. Uh, mine was actually cool. Circle K. <laughs> so there, there was a Circle K that was um, next door to my dad's office. My dad had his own uh, own business for a while, and he had an office. And we used to go there every Saturday. I'd spend the whole day with my dad at his office, and we would always do a Circle K run. And of course, you know, the main thing that we did was we got like you know our our drinks, and we got some candies, and you know stuff like that, you know, to tide us over while we were there because we would be there all day. We would be there all day. And um, usually that's where I would get my new comic books. You know, I, I've said this before. It's like when I was growing up, the comic book store was a place that you went for back issues. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's basically what it was. And it's kind of funny because it feels like it's going back that way now, especially with the shakeups shake that have been happening with the industry. It seems more and more that's really the way to be successful. Um, new comics are not the way to go right now. You know what I mean? At least in my opinion. Uh, but growing up, that's the way it was. And you got your new comics at Circle K or 7-Eleven or, you know, convenience store. You got them off the spinner rack. And I wish yeah. those days would come back again because I think that's I think that's what the comic industry needs. I think losing the the news, the, the newsstand uh, market, uh, this, I don't think the comic book industry's ever recovered from that. The fact that they lost that, you know? Yeah, I, I think uh, probably one of my, my most important and earliest comic educations uh, actually happened when, the first time I went to an actual comic book store, which it wasn't a dedicated comic store. It was actually Memphis Comics and Records. And Memphis Comics and Records, they had back issues in, in the back, but they were just all like scattered about. They weren't terribly organized or whatever. And I remember- That, I, is, that is so funny, Dave, because one of the main places I used to go, they it didn't even have a name, but it had a sign and it just said books, comics, records. There you go. That was the name of the store. Like it didn't have a name. It, instead, he just, you know, the and the guy was. It was funny. The guy was such like a, uh, you know, not customer friendly at all, yeah. and just yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, felt like he hated kids. You know what I mean? And yeah. it was like kids are in his store all the time. Uh, really reminds me of the comic book guy from The Simpsons. But he had a great selection. And he had tons of stuff. But it was books, comics, records. You know, so it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I just think that's so ironic that you had something similar in a different state, you know, just well, shows the, way was, the industry what used to be. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it was so weird because um, the um, I went there because I looked it up in the phone book back when we had phone books and I looked it up and I went there specifically because there were issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles floating around that people were passing back and forth from each other. And they said, okay. oh, well, I get them. They were saying, oh, we get them at the comic book store. And so I was trying to figure out which comic book store they were coming from. Now, they were actually coming from a different comic book store that I that was actually near Memphis Comics and Records. But I, I we went right past it and I didn't realize it at first because <laughs> um, we came from a different direction. If we'd come the other way, we would have seen this painting of Batman on the side of the building. We would have realized we probably would have gone there. But because it came from an, the opposite direction. I didn't even know that this other place even existed. Um, Cause in the old days they used to tell you if you want to get um, comic books, you have to look under books, 
new and used. Okay. And the ad for comics and collectibles, which was actually the place that was actually selling the turtle books, was actually it was it was like on a slightly different page or something, so I didn't see it. Um, and I was just looking for books new and used, and there's Memphis Comics Records, and so that's where we went. But it was funny because they did have some turtle books, but they were actually marked up, so I couldn't afford to get any of them. Um, but they didn't have any new ones, and I didn't again find out till later the new ones were actually at the other place. So yeah. it's different time, folks. Different times. I know a lot of you out there probably know what we're talking about, though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And David Mott's also said, uh, "Just say Mott's." So we will. Just I'll try Mott's. to remember that. We'll just say Mott's uh, for, for you, David. And then uh, Hollywood Jackson says, uh, "Now I want a big gulp and a burrito." There you go. <laughs> uh, that's that's not a bad idea, Hollywood. I mean, obviously, yeah. it would have it would have been good if you'd planned ahead a little bit there. But uh, that sounds good to me too. You know, it, you know, when you're get your, your retro your retro rogues uh, fix, and then you know, with your your big gulp and your burrito, that sounds like a good time, actually. <laughs> well, and and it's funny because we do the show, and then I think Eric and I we actually don't eat before we do the show. And normally, I, I think you, you, you normally don't. It seems like we're always grabbing a bite to eat after the show. So, yeah. Uh, yeah so a big that, gulp that, and a burrito. That, that is that pretty sounds typical. Like, Although today yeah. I actually ate before, which is rare for oh, me. Oh, okay, good. I actually did eat before, but typically that's true. That's 100% true. Usually I, I don't eat before the, the show. Um, Asia mentions uh, that she uh, was that she you know grew up in the Mesa area in Mesa Arizona. It says uh, the indoor swap mart and Dave's Comics and Mesa was uh, where uh, they got their comic books. And uh, Mott says uh, I'm in Tucson, and there's not too many good comic book stores left out there. Uh, yeah, Mott says that's uh, that sucks, but it, yeah, but it feels it like that's kind of the comic industry as a whole is in decline. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. Um, but it is interesting. Like out here, uh, we do have some, some still some viable comic shops. Um, Mike with Samurai Comics actually does a really good job. He's got three stores. Yeah, he's got Mike's one awesome. in Central Phoenix. He's got one in the West Valley out in uh, Glendale, I think. And then he has one in Mesa. Um, and I think actually the Mesa store is, is kind of like his flagship flagship uh, store at this point. Um. And that was the old Atomic Comics uh, at one time, the infamous Atomic Comics. Anybody who's uh, who grew up in Arizona or, or was part of the Arizona comic book scene definitely knows the infamy of Atomic Comics. It was a, yeah. qu quite a store back in the day. And at one point, I think they had four Atomic Comics. They were doing really, they really had a well. Bunch. Yeah. <clears throat> then, yeah. Then they had some legal problems. <laughs> and that all <laughs> went away. That all yeah. went away. But uh, yeah, Mike does a really good job with Samurai Comics, but he's like, to me, he's like an exception. You know, like we, we recently lost um, All About, All About Books and Comics, which was sort of legendary. You know, that was like a flagship store. That's where Mike started out. You know, he was yeah. the manager over there. And um, they're gone now. You know, that kind of that kind of hurts. You know, I used to go, um, I, I, w I went to uh, high school at Brophy and that's in um, like Uptown Phoenix. And that was right a block away from all about books and comics. And I used to go there, I think like every Friday, I would, after school, I would go over there, you know? Um, so that one hurts, but uh, that's kind of the way yeah. things are going, you know, unfortunately. 
And and since we're just plugging local comic book stores in the area, I, I would be remiss if near me I didn't plug uh, Cab Comics up in Flagstaff. Uh, Corey's got a great store up there. He's got a great staff. They do a great job. So I highly recommend uh, uh, Cab Comics up in Flagstaff. And then Josh with Game On. Game On is actually in the process of relocating. They're moving from their current location, which is over near the mall in Prescott. They're actually going to be near the Target where the target is in Prescott. They're in the process of uh, moving the store. Josh does a great job. Again, great staff. That's a great um, store. I, yeah, I, I went really there is. when I, I went to the uh, convention uh, that uh, I, I met you at, at the, yeah. at the Prescott Mall. They had a, a, a nice convention there one year. Uh, my partner, uh, Robert McVeigh, actually went with me as, as well. And uh, we had a great time. And that's a great store. That's yeah. that's a really great store. I, 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 I've been there and I have to, to totally recommend it to people. That is a great store. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into our, our main topic. Let's talk about these trading cards. Um, we're probably not going to spend too much time on this today, but um, I kind of I kind of hemmed and hawed o over what to kind of do, because sometimes we cover comics, sometimes we do trading cards. And I thought it would be interesting because I actually enjoyed um, not the I enjoyed the current episode of What If on Disney Plus, but um, I actually liked the one before that that actually featured Doctor Strange actually more. And so I thought, you know, there's excitement about Doctor Strange being in the new Spider-Man movie. There's a new episode of What If. I said, well, let's let's take a look at Doctor Strange. And it was interesting because unless the information on the trading card database is inaccurate for some reason, um, I was surprised to see that it looks like the actual um, first appearance actually on a trading card is actually a Topps sticker from 1975. Huh. I thought that was weird because Doctor Strange actually goes all the way back to, to the 60s. Um, and I was surprised to see that apparently a, a 1975 Topps sticker um, is probably his, uh, his first appearance. So that's where we'll start. So, um, yeah, so right here, this is looks as far as I could tell, based on my research, I say key appearance on there just because I know some people balk at the whole first appearance thing <laughs> They're on the trading card database. They have something that predates this, but it's really weird because it's like 12 inches by something. It's almost like a poster. It's not really like a trading card. So I don't understand how it qualifies. It's not even trading card size. And yeah, technically this is a sticker. <clears throat> right. So that doesn't qualify either, right? But anyhow, a lot of people count these as the first appearance. So we're, we're going to count this as the first appearance. So this is uh, from 1975, Tops, this comic book heroes sticker. Uh, there is no numbering on this one. This is Doctor Strange. Um, and like I said, as far as I can tell, this is his first appearance. And Eric, why don't you read what he's saying? Because I know, I know you like kind of like these little <laughs> sayings they have. Darn those house calls. There you go. There you go. All right. Now, this is an interesting one. Um, I did look at the population account on PSA to see how many there are graded, like how many there are in the system. Primarily, we want to focus on uh, PSA 10 and PSA 9. Those are the ones that command the, the greatest value. I was kind of surprised at these numbers. Um, there are only two PSA 10s for this sticker. That's it. Oh, wow. There are two. That's it. That's all there is. Um, currently, you know, again, gone through the grading process in the system. Um, and they only have 19 PSA 9s recorded. 
So this is a very low population uh, for this card. Um, and then I went and did some additional research. I was curious to see, because I don't own this particular one. Um, I've been getting into these stickers kind of after the fact. Um, I've shown some of the ones I've picked up. And I've only been picking up select characters that I have like key books for. Because in my mind, when I get them graded, I'm going to display like the comics and the trading cards or the stickers together. Like that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I don't have a lot of key Doctor Strange books. So I don't, well, I like Doctor Strange. And, and I, I just don't have a lot of interest to go running this card, this particular card down. Um, I like the character a lot, but I'm just not looking to pick one up right now. There are only three of there's only three of these on eBay when I looked into it wow. that were that were available as a buy it now listing, and 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 that was it. Um, and uh, I do have a raw amount, and I also have there was one graded example that's currently on on eBay. It has a buy it now price. It doesn't mean someone's going to get that for it, mind you, but it there someone is asking in the mount. So um, as we like to do, throw it up to the rogues gallery. And uh, what do we think this one goes for raw? 1975 tops Doctor Strange. These these ones are are, are tough um, with the with these 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 sticker cards. Um, they're older cards, and, and so you would assume I would assume that they're worth quite a bit of money. But that's often not the case. I get completely shocked about these cards. Um, the low population numbers would indicate to me, you know, that, you know, I'm trying to do my little detective work here that, you know, these are not highly, um, highly valuable cards. In other words, there's not a lot of people going out there and getting them graded based on those population reports you were telling us. Oh, uh, we do have a couple. There's just not a lot out there. Yeah, available. that's a possibility too. It could be just a very rare card, right? Yeah. Uh, we do have a couple uh, guesses already. Uh, Mots right. is going with five bucks. And okay. I, I think that's actually probably where I would have gone. Uh, Asia says uh, 40 bucks. Okay. And Hollywood says 16. Okay. So All we, right. do have, we do have a, a nice range there. And then also um, I do want to acknowledge that uh, Jane has joined us. So, oh, hi, Mom. And, and, maybe, and Jane, maybe you have a, a guess as well. So, in fact, she does. 10 bucks. She's going 10 bucks. Time. Okay. All right. Um. Well, um, I, I think Jane's going to be the closest um, because there are raw examples, decent raw examples right now available for this card on eBay. Not that many. I only found three. Um, and uh, $8. $8. Okay. $8 looks like to be the, the going rate for, for a decent copy of this particular sticker. Now, if, I didn't is, check if, it, if it was the price is right rules, then Mott's would have won. Right. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Although we've never officially established that, but uh... <laughs> we can use the prices rights rules. I mean, we can totally use the prices rights rules. Um, if you go over and then, bust, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. And if anyone sees this thing, these, these are my notes. Oh, in, wow. Uh, my, uh, my ink stained uh, fingers there. Well, Mott says that uh, Macari had a raw one for $65. Yeah, that, that's where we're headed. Uh, this card is actually quite, quite rare. Uh, because uh, I guess a lot of people didn't take care of it and they just didn't think much of it because they are stickers. So a lot of people would take them off and stick them on things. Um, and and, and Asia, I, Asia says, uh, get the French toast. That is low. Yeah. So yeah. at $8. So um, 
Now there's one graded example that's available. I, again, went to the PSA to see if PSA had a baseline for this. I looked at their options to see what they might have available as far as data on this. There's not a lot of data on this particular one. Um, and it's funny, too, because like I said, like this is either a super early key appearance for Doctor Strange or this is his first appearance on the card. And the reason I think that's weird is because there's that, that 1960s Don Russ set and Doctor Strange was around like in that time period. So I was really surprised that he wasn't on a card for that, that it was a 75 sticker. Huh. Um, there is one graded one that is available right now on eBay. Um, it is an SGC. I've been seeing a lot of SGC graded Marvel cards, non-sports cards. Um, one on there right now. Um, you don't have to get the amount exact, but do we want to guess what that's going for? For the graded example? And Rated it, and, example and it's, on and eBay. It's not PSA, it's which five. is also yeah. it's not, not PSA. It's not, so that's something yeah. to keep in mind as well, uh, because everybody seems to want PSA for some reason. Um, they, they, uh, seems like the big collectors all kneel at the altar right. of PSA, PSA for whatever reason. That's right. And so and it, this isn't this is a SGC five. It's a lower a, a lower grade. It's you know the higher grade a ten is your that doesn't really get any better than you that kind of wonder why someone would even 10. rate that you know what i mean in a way you because wonder there's why not because there's not a lot of them out there and, oh, and okay. there is there is also to the possibility someone could have had this graded because it's in their personal collection they find themselves in a situation and they need to try and recoup some money out of it that's that always that happens all the time well yeah. Let me just say, I found myself in that situation. Maybe it doesn't happen to everybody else all the time, but I found myself there a couple different times. It's like, well, I need to get out of this. What, what can I get for it? Yeah, um, so, yeah, what do we think this goes for? SGC, it's not, it's not the Cadillac, it's not the PSA, but it's SGC, it's a five. So that is a, that it's, that's a decent card, but that's a mid-grade card. What do right. we think that goes for? Uh, Asia's giving Already a guess graded. 15 15 dollars. 15. Okay. All right. Jane is guessing 12. 12. Okay. Mots has disqualified himself because he already looked it up. Oh, he already looked. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate All your right, honesty, you Mots. You, you do get you do get points for your honesty because there's absolutely no way to enforce that otherwise other than policing yeah. yourself. There's no way we would know. Uh can Cantrice Jennings and welcome to the show. Uh she says um I think we just had a little hiccup there. Okay, we had we had a little hiccup in the stream there. Okay. Uh Cantrice Jennings, and welcome to the show. She says two. Two dollars. Two. And then Hollywood says three. Three. Hollywood says three. So um, I am going, I'm actually gonna guess higher. I'm gonna go 40. I'm gonna go 40. actually higher. So I'm gonna guess 40. Eric, you you would be the winner. Um, the person on eBay is asking uh $51. 51 okay but they're 50, asking it's actually for that. 51 they, they and some change but they haven't sold it it hasn't sold no, right? no. it hasn't it, sold yet it's 51 it's um, always then, fair it's always important fair to point that out right yeah and, yeah because anybody who's watched pawn stars knows about this right i mean people list stuff that's one of the main things that happens in those interactions that i think is, is funny and i'm like do, do you none of you people watch this show you know what i mean because they talk about that all the time just because you see an item listed for an amount on eBay or you know Mercari or whatever, that doesn't mean it sold for that much, and right. that and that's the key distinction. You want to know 
what it's sold at, right? That's what's going to give you, you know, a better idea of the value, not what somebody's asking for it. And and the deal with this one, in my mind anyway, when you look at the grading fees, the shipping fees, everything involved, um, if you're a Doctor Strange fan and, and you want to have this in your collection, I'm of the opinion that's not a too bad a price, to be honest with you. Um, now, I, now I personally, I would want one that's a higher grade, like, you know, something maybe like at least a seven or an eight. Um, but like I said, there's not a lot of examples of this that are actually graded that are floating around. And like I said, even on, even through PSA, according to their population report, as of actually today, um, there were only 19 copies of this rated at nine and only two rated at a 10. Um, so if the trading card stuff, you know, ever starts to pick up again, like if, you know, people that are into MCU and the Marvel movies, this might be something interesting to take a look at. You know, it's very speculative, especially, yeah. you know, with Doctor Strange, but um, he's a great character. So I think it's, um, I think it would be something to, to look into. Um, and obviously I'm not the one selling that card. Let's just be clear. Okay. Um, I did. It's just the only example I that I found that was currently um, available on eBay because I was using to get the best sales data from that. But there's there's just not a lot of these that have sold. Um, I honestly think it's probably because it's rare. I think too, Eric. I think a lot of people have lower grade copies and it's not worth having graded. But right. I also think there might just not be a lot of these floating around just in general. Um, and I found that kind of interesting especially with now a, a key Marvel character like Doctor Strange. He's an important part of the MCU and the films and the animated shows now. Yeah, this All is right. definitely, I think, a, a card that you, you want to be aware of uh, just because yeah. of the popularity of the character and because he is so prominent right now uh, with right. the introduction of the multiverse. And, and we're, you know, we've got the Spider-Man movie, and I think the Spider-Man movie is is heavily, heavily hyped at this point. It's really the only Marvel thing that I'm honestly excited about right now, uh, you know, that I actually am, am kind of looking forward to. So um, I think that there's definitely a possibility of, of a Marvel bump uh, with 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 uh, with this card. So you, you just never know. You never know. Uh, regarding yeah. the price, Asia said uh, that's wig money. I can listen. <laughs> I can listen. Pog at that price. <laughs> and uh, Mots mentioned, he said, uh, Death of Doctor Strange comp series is coming out. And that would be an interesting, different sort of Marvel bump if that happened, if the comic book series could could impact the trading card. I don't think I've ever seen that before, but it would be interesting if oh, something yeah. like that happened, you know? So I, I don't I don't know if it would, um, but a confluence of events could. Right. You know. Um yeah, so I thought this was this is interesting one. This is a good one. We only have two tonight, so let's go ahead and go to the second one. Uh, this is going to be my pick for this evening. This is the highly vaulted, highly celebrated, highly loved uh, Impel Marvel Universe Series 1. This is from 1990. This is card number 34, and this obviously, again, is Doctor Strange. Um, this is an interesting card. Um, and I looked again at... Again, the information available on uh, PSA. I looked at the population report. I went a little bit further than just a nine on this one, just out of curiosity, because we know there was a huge influx of people submitting stuff to the grading companies to have oh, yeah. their cards graded because of all of the heat and the crazy prices being paid actually for the 1990 uh, Marvel Universe Impel trading cards. So I went a little bit further into that population report. 
And I was kind of surprised. Uh, PSA 10 of uh, this card, they're only 10. Interesting. They're only 10. Um, there are 28 rated at a 9 currently. And there are 8, which is ironic, rated at an 8 as it currently sits. <laughs> so there's not really that many of this card that have even been graded. Now, there may be some sitting in the wings that are kind of working through the backlog that might be coming on to the onto the market soon, but it really looks like a lot of people don't consider Doctor Strange to be that key character like Spider-Man, Captain America, the Hulk, right, Wolverine? That's yeah, that's really I, I, think, I think that's what's going on, which is why I think that the population count is actually not higher. Um, and there are quite a few of this card available on eBay. There's quite a few. Um, and uh, I'm put my disqualifier out there right now. If you buy it in a group of other cards, you could possibly get it for less than the raw amount. But I looked at decent copies. Like I looked at the pictures. I said, this is a decent copy. What is a decent copy going to cost you? So um, I do have a raw amount. If anyone wants to register a guess, what do we think this one goes for raw ungraded? This is the highly vaulted, highly celebrated, highly loved, highly collected 1990 Marvel Universe Series 1. What do we think this one goes for raw? It's interesting with these cards because they are so heavily hyped. I mean, this this really is the genesis of the collector's corner uh, for, for, for Dave and I. Because we yep. got such a good response off of the clip we did of, of one of the previous broadcasts where we talked about when this started, when this hype started for the, the Marvel Impel cards. But at the same point, uh, I think it should be pointed out that some of the hype has waned. Uh, it's I, cool. I, you know, so it, it, it's not where it was. Um, so I'm going to guess we're talking we're talking we're talking raw. Now, we do have some guesses from the rogues gallery. Uh, Mott says a dollar. He's going. Okay. The price is right. Uh, thing. One, I think one dollar. One dollar, Bob. Uh, one dollar. He's going to go over. Uh, Asia saying six. Six dollars. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hollywood is saying 25 and 25, I'm right. kind of feeling in that range as well. I'm going to go, I'm actually going to go a little bit higher than Hollywood and I'm going to, I'm going to say 30. I'm going to go. 30. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, $4, everybody. $4. Wow. $4. I wouldn't have guessed that because again, these are so, uh, and by the way, Mott's, if, if we're doing the price right, right, you know, the price is right rules. You, you were, you were right again. Oh, Jane did have a, a, a late guess and she did. She did get it in though. Um, 32. Oh, okay. She had said 32. So she actually was thinking the same amount as I was. I'm shocked. I'm really shocked. Now, again, this is ungraded, but it does kind of show you that the way that the hype machine works sometimes, right? Because yep. um, these, these cards have been, uh, were highly sought after uh, just like a couple months ago. So the fact that you and, can get the card now for six bucks, wow. and and it's and it's weird to me too because I consider Doctor Strange um, to be an important part of the MCU in general. Like when we talk about comic book history, like he was an important part of a lot of major storylines, and then I consider him to be a very very obviously important player in the MCU movies. I mean, he's the one who. You know, at one point, it looked like he might have been able to take out Thanos at one point when they were fighting on the the planet. Like, um, and we see that he's going to be really important moving forward as well. He's he's actually one of the few characters that we kind of still have left. To be honest with you, it seems like almost all the other characters have e have either been retired, they either being retired, or they died. So 
you know, he's one of the few that's still kind of around. So um, that's an original Marvel hero too, you know, talking about the yeah. comics. So um, a, it's interesting with this character. Um, now I did see um, there's not, again, there, there are some of these that are rated um, that are available for sale, but there's not that many. And since we did an SGC for the last one, I found an SGC actually for this card. But this is a much higher rating. It's a SGC 9.5. 9.5 is almost a 10. So that is almost the highest rating that you can actually get. SGC does command significantly lower amounts than PSA. I don't know why, but it does. And SGC is actually known. I've seen enough coverage actually on all this because I listen to a lot of trading card YouTube shows and I read things and whatever. And it's interesting because SGC is considered to have a higher grading standard, like being really super strict. So there were like their cards are worth less, but in some ways they're stricter than a lot of the other companies. So 9.5, that, that's a oh, good Hollywood Jackson card. says it's the hype machine. And that's the hype machine. Definitely the case when it comes to grading companies. I don't understand right. it either. I think it's it, what really pisses me off, quite frankly, is the fact that PSA, you know, had stopped, you know, basically even even grading stuff in large part because of this huge influx of Impel cards that was coming in and they just stopped. And um, rather than the market saying, you know what, screw you, we'll just go with another grading company, um, you know, I, I kind of blame the fans you know what i mean it's like they why why do they keep you know bowing you know to this this one particular company you know i would have thought people would just migrate to the one that's still grading i mean that right. would make sense to me you know but uh, it is well, what it I, is and, and as hollywood jackson says it's the hype machine for some reason that's just what everybody wants and that's the way to do it what, what i think is really funny is i saw another youtuber and i wish i could remember what the other company was but he was comparing PSA to another company. In other words, the same card, but, you know, different, you know, different grading, you know, different company. And I, I wish I remember what the other company was, but to me, it looked so much better, so much more professional. It was like more of like a, um, it was just like a, a higher quality case. It just looked really good in the presentation. And this guy was so brainwashed. He kept talking about how much he liked the PSA better. Yeah. I'm like, are, are you just blind? I mean, literally, it's it's right there for everybody to see. And you could tell the other one just looked so much better. The presentation, the quality. Because PSA, I mean, they look like it looks like a like a sticker that you could print on your, your home computer. You know what I mean? That's the way PSA looks to me anyway. And this other one just looked really nice, you know, almost looked like a little like trophy case or something. I mean, it was really nice. And this guy was just going off about how he liked the PSA so much better. So there are people that are brainwashed out there. I'm just going to say it. There are people that are absolutely brainwashed because they just they've just got it in their head that PSA is the best. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it, it makes absolutely no sense, at least to me. All right. So, again, SGC 9.5. What do, what do we think? Anyone who wants to register to guess, what do we think it's going? Now, again, this is an, this is someone who's selling it now on eBay. Um, it looked to be a, again, it's a really high quality card. SGC. What do we what do we think it's going for? Mots is going way up there. He's saying a hundred. 
he's saying a hundred. I'm yeah. going to stick with thirty. I'm going to stick with thirty. Thirty, okay. With, with the ungraded, so I'm going to stick stick at thirty. But but Mots is at a hundred. All right. Okay. If anyone else wants to jump in, um, otherwise we're going to go ahead and throw the amount out there. Asia's guessing fifty. Fifty. Okay. All right. Uh, Hollywood had forty-five. Forty-five. Okay. All Very right. similar to Asia. They're they're obviously thinking along the same terms there. So, one hundred and fifty dollars, everybody. Hundred. Well, Mats is really doing good today. Yeah, one hundred and fifty. He, he asked earlier if he won the car. You know, definitely if we had yeah. one, he would. <laughs> but uh, Asia said he got the Gremlin. So. Oh, <laughs> that sucks. It's but, the car uh, though. But yeah. Oh, and uh, Jane did get another another one that would just she just oh, got okay. it in there. It was forty. She guessed forty eight. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Mots definitely you should. He says I'm going to Vegas. I think you've I think you're 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 on the streak right now, Mots. Take some of that luck and and do something with it and, and make some money. <laughs> and and I feel like that hundred fifty is a, a pretty decent price actually for this card graded because I saw actually one on Mercari. That was a similar rating, and someone was asking 165. So 150 sounds like it's probably about, you know, what people are going to be asking for it. Whether it's worth that or not, only you could determine that if you purchase it. Right. Uh, at at that That's price, you're at that price, you're better finding a decent raw copy, and you know potentially you know you know submitting it in in my mind um, at that kind of a price, um, I, unless you don't want to go through the trouble. So. But it, um, it's just amazing, you know, the the graded versus ungraded. You know what I mean? The 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 the, the huge, it's huge, the huge discrepancy. I mean, it makes sense. You, you would think that a graded copy is is you know more valuable. You know, I, right. I would think that, but that's that's a huge that's a huge gap. You know. So there are a lot of Doctor Strange cards out there. It's a lot of comic images cards. Like there's a bunch of cards, but again, I went through and I looked at them and I thought about it. Uh, there's some, you know, some other really great, you know, Marvel series three card is pretty cool. It's a Sam Keith. There's a, a later series one that's Steve Lytle. Like, there's a lot of cool looking cards. But when I started thinking about it, I was like, okay, well, let's pare this down. If you're only going to own one or two, uh, typically we usually do about three. But in this case, um, I didn't want to spend too much time on it. I was like, well, let's just do two. So in my mind, these would be the two. The early key appearance, and then the Impel 1990 Series One, because that's the one that everyone wants. So if the cards go up in value again, it is safe. It is not. You can't totally, you know, take that to the bank, but it is safe to assume. Got to be careful with that, right? Um, that this card potentially has the greatest chance to go up in value because of the popularity and the collectability of the 1990 Impel Marvel Universe Series 1. Now, this this sounds like this would be a really good one to get loose if you know anything about grading cards. If you if you, if you you know that stuff, if you're good at that, um, it seems like this would be a really good one to pick up and then get graded. Uh, you, you might have a nice, nice little investment there, you know? And if you look at that one, you can tell right there, one of the things you want to be careful of is to make sure that the, the, the image is centered in the card so right. that outer white border you want that to be as even as humanly possible so that it's and, and they do have um, the, 
they do make a little tool that yeah. you can use for that. Uh, I, I noticed that uh, they, they sell it on Amazon, so it's really easy to get, and it's a little centering tool. And I advise people to do that if you're interested in getting involved with this. Bible yeah, for sure, good, for good sure. Medicine. You know, good, bright, vibrant color. And uh, the last one is, you know, pay attention to the edges. You want them to be really sharp and crisp, especially the corners. As I like to say, they need to be sharp enough that they could cut you. There you go. So, there you go. All right, cool. All right. Um, uh, do we want to cover um, your collector's corner thing next, Eric, or do we want to do the Cosmic Legion? Or I I'm not really doing anything for collector's corner. I'm I'm okay. You know, I'm going to focus on uh, the streaming That's wars right. news that I want to talk about. Uh, we haven't done any streaming wars coverage in a long time, so I think I've got a couple articles that have some streaming wars uh, implications, and then of course okay. I, I did want to talk about uh, Norm Macdonald later as well. So right. Well, let's just go ahead and do Caustic Legions in, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so let me put this up. So we talked about, on a previous episode, Cosmic Legions. This is the new action figure line that's coming out uh, from the Four Horsemen. They did have their big unveil event. I'm going to be honest with you. I missed the big unveil event. Um, but they do have all the information that is available now. Uh, this is their actual physical website. You can see the URL up there. It's uh, sourcehorseman.com. Um, you can go over there and find this information out over there. Um, these are all available for pre-order right now. We're not being paid to do this. Um, I just think these things look really cool. Um, and I think they're really neat. And it's cool too, because they're original characters. They created all of these on their, you know, their, their own ideas. And obviously they're not part of a big, huge, you know, you know, corporation. Uh, they're doing them themselves. And these things look really amazing. Um, so I thought we would kind of go through some of these. And it's interesting, too, because at one point um, they were going to do a Power Lords, like they were going to redo Power Lords, and they had actually bought the license for Power Lords. So one day the Power Lords Facebook group suddenly switched over to uh, Cosmic Legions. And it's interesting because, and other people have noticed this, but this character here, Olek Thigar, I guess that's how you say his name. Um, it's interesting because when you see the detailed shots of him, um, he has the same color scheme as one of the original Power Lords, uh, the main character. The main character had these orange pants, and then he had this blue and these kind of red detailing, and you know he would change. He'd be like in a human form, and he would change to like the Power Lord form, and he was like blue and stuff and looked really alien and kind of spooky. Which is interesting because a lot, a lot of people are making comparisons that it has a similar color scheme. So um, it's really interesting. Um, but I think these things look really cool. Um, the um, They do kind of have a, um, a whole uh, storyline uh, behind them that they figured out. Um, and uh, I, I'll let you all to explore that yourselves. But um, a lot of the people on the Facebook forum they think this guy's really cool because he's like one of the largest. Uh, like this thing is like huge. Uh, this and he's like the warden or whatever, like of a prison or something. But this dude looks really cool. I thought these are really neat. Yeah, that, um, that that is a cool looking character. And it's just so much detail. I mean, yeah. just really, really cool. So much detail. Um, do you know what these are going to retail for? We can we can find that here in just a second because all that information is available. 
um, because it's all right here on the site. Um, I wanted to just showcase just a couple of them because I thought they looked really neat. Um, I think that character looks cool. This is the one that we had the preview image up for. I think this guy's kind of yeah. neat. He's like kind of like a lizard guy. He's got uh, multiple arms like Goro, if you're a fan of Mortal Kombat. It's kind of like a... Um, I get like kind of like a gladiatorial vibe because these look like they have chains, right? Yeah. Like, you know, gladiators. Yeah, that, that, yeah I, I could see that. So I can see that for sure. I thought this guy looked really cool too. But these are really neat. Um, and this is interesting because this guy almost looks like someone like a creature you'd see like in Men in Black, the Men in Black mm -hmm. movies I kept thinking about. Um, and then um, there were a lot of people that were interested actually in these characters. Um, I, I, these are not really um, human. Um, this is the Sentry. Um, they do have a little bit of, you can read all this information, you go to the site, but um, it says the enormous gates of uh, Havalakhtar, I don't know how to pronounce that, inspire <laughs> a sense of foreboding and dread in those who have misfortune to gaze upon its rested face. Perched atop its various walls and hiding within its armored shadows are the soldiers known as the TU-5CC sentries. So this is like the soldier, this is, I guess, your... So these are army builders. Yeah, these are your builders. These are army builders, okay. That, that is a pretty cool looking figure. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That is a That's cool really cool. I think these are really neat. So definitely, if you're interested in this, uh, go to the website, check it out. Let's take a look. Uh, they do have, again, all of these are available for um, pre-order now. They've got different accessories. So if you want to do all of them, it's like $500. And that, that you get the entire line. And there's quite a few in here. Um They've got like a weapon expansion pack here. They've got some bases here. Uh, the guy with the four arms is 65. He's pretty pricey. He's huge. The This warden guy I showed you, he's pretty pricey. He's huge as well. Um, he's go, he's 80. 80 bucks, wow. Um, but then, you know, these other ones, like the, the army builders, you know, 25 for the sentries. Um, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. 25 and for, my, for one of those figures isn't bad at all. Yeah. Yeah, Mots, then, I agree. He says love the detail. I agree with you, Mots. There, there is a lot of cool detail on these figures. Yeah, these are really neat. They look amazing. Um, that's why I wanted to, you know, kind of what we started talking about them because we wanted to cover more independent stuff. And um, I just thought these characters just look absolutely amazing. I'm really curious to see if they might do like a book or something with it later because they do reference a book, but I, I don't, I have, couldn't find any information actually of a book, but um, they're just really cool looking. I think they're really neat. This has got a cloth. Oh, like, okay. You know, uh, parka or hoodie or poncho or whatever. What's the scale of these figures? How big are they? I know that there's scale to work with uh, their other line, the what is it, the Mythic Legends or whatever. This, I thought they had the scale actually on here. Uh, I don't see it on here. Let's see if it's on the shopping page because I, people were talking about that actually on the Facebook group and actually comparing them to some of the other ones. And then I guess some of the body parts are actually. They can actually be interchangeable, actually, with the Mythic Legends one. 
So let's look at this guy, because I know this guy is the one who's supposed to be really kind of large. Um, Nine inches tall? Six-inch yeah. scale. So six-inch yeah. six scale is the line. Right. So this stuff would fit in with your Marvel Legends. If you're into the six-inch Marvel Legends line, this stuff would probably fit really well with it. Uh, Asia had another uh, idea there where she says, I, I would use this for tabletop gaming like a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big fan of the six inch scale. That's just me. Uh, I think it's just because of my bias as uh, growing up as a kid. You know, uh, three and three quarter was always my my mainstay. Uh, folks uh, might be familiar that the, the line that I've been supporting is actually the Marvel Legends Kenner line. Uh, which in a lot of ways is like a, a what if line of toys in my mind. I really like it, but I've had a lot of trouble getting um, wave three. I, I just haven't been able to find any of it. But um, the, 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 the nice thing about the six inch scale, I will say this, is that you can have this detail and you really yeah. can't do that in the three and three quarter scale. Um, so I do appreciate that. Uh, I definitely do appreciate that. I mean, these are some really nice looking figures. Yeah, they look really incredible. They're 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 amazing. So, and like I said, it was it was interesting because um, again, they uh, the last I'd heard, they were going to be working on a, a relaunch of again the old Power Lords line. I like the Power Lords line. That's why I was a part of the group. So I was a member of the group. And then. Um, the only reason I ended up finding out about this because they changed the name of the group. You know, whenever they did it, you get a notification. I was like, right. that's weird. Um, and so I kind of been following along um, what's been happening with this. And I, I was really curious to see what they're going to come up with. Cause these are the, you know, the four horsemen. I mean, there's, they're easily some of the best in the biz. Um, yeah. If not, you know, I know some people would say they probably are the best in the biz um, and these things look amazing. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of showcase since the line is now available, if you're interested in checking it out, um, you want to go to their main site um, and get them from there. And it's interesting too, it's not part of a Kickstarter campaign or a crowdfunding thing either. You know, you just order it from them and they're going to get them made. So I thought that was pretty neat too. That is pretty neat. And it, it, yeah. it is, it, it's, that's something that you certainly don't see from independent operations very often, you know, um, yeah. that's, that's pretty neat. That's kudos to them. Kind of makes you wonder why why Haslab can't just outright put stuff out. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the big criticism of them. I know it's that you know it's like wh why does this multi billion dollar company need to crowdfund stuff? You know, just well, come out with just just come out with Galactus, just come out with the Sentinel, just do it. You know what I mean? The Sail Barge. Uh, for folks that might not be familiar with those things, those are some of the products that they've come out. And there is a lot of controversy in in the community. Um, regarding HasLab, because a lot of people feel that um, you know that 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 Hasbro shouldn't be doing that to their customers. Yeah. They, they have Especially the resources. To just, in other words, if the Four Horsemen can do this, is what I'm trying to say, and they're an independent operation, and they don't have anything behind this, right? There's no comic book, no. or there's no there's no TV series, there's no movie, right? Whereas you know, look at everything that that you know is associated with with these 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 uh, products from Hasbro, we're talking about Marvel legends, you know, for fricking sake. I mean, that, that line is just gold right now. You know what I mean? That's gold right now, the six inch Marvel legends line. Yeah. And, you know, they, they have to do these special projects, you know, for the Sentinel and for Galactus and things like that. And 
it, put, it puts a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth, inclu including myself. And I think this is why uh, we're trying to uh, support independent stuff more and promote independent stuff more because of some of those um, bad business practices that some of these big corporations have. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood Jackson says, I have a life-size Hollywood Jackson for sale. Only problem is you have to feed him. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, then yeah. uh, Mots mentions, he says, uh, they, they need a movie like Small Soldiers. That's an interesting concept. So you're, you're, if I understand what you're we're proposing here, Mots, is you're, you're saying you, you want a, 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 a movie where the the characters are still toys, right? Because that's what Small Soldiers was, right? Where the, where they had the 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 toys kind of came to life or whatever, right? So yeah, that's that's an interesting concept, you know. Um, I think uh, to, for me, Small Soldiers is one of those. It's kind of a little bit of a guilty pleasure in my mind. Like I kind of you know objectively think it's not that great a movie, but I do like it. You know, I do enjoy it. I did think that the premise was kind of interesting, even if it was a little silly, right? Um, but that's an interesting idea. And uh, Asia says she supports Mots on that, uh, doing like a small soldiers type movie with this stuff. But it's an interesting idea. I wonder if well, the you four know, between, thought about it. So. Between um, what they do with Robot Chicken and uh, right now, like there's that Modoc show um, where, you know, they're actually animating the toys and stuff. Um, I think that's totally doable, like a stop motion kind of a thing. Yeah, I Robot Chicken really I like. Cool. I like yeah. Robot Chicken quite a bit. Um, it's been a while, I think, since I, I saw any of their stuff. But I, I was into it back in the day. So that that would be kind of cool. I, I agree. That would be kind of cool. I, I think I would like something like that. That'd be, that'd be interesting. Very cool. All right. Um, well, that's what I had for to, tonight's show. Um and then, uh, Eric, do you want to do your streaming wars story and then end with Norm Macdonald? Or, um, I, I think let's go. Let's go to Norm Macdonald because let's let's face it, okay. this is kind of a bummer. But yeah. I, I wanted to talk about it. Um, I, I just felt that that it was you know he's somebody that I wanted to talk about. So for folks that are not aware, I'm, I'm sorry to be the you know the bringer of bad news, but I, I'm, I'm I imagine most of you that care already know about this. Uh, this is from Variety.com, and uh, the title reads, Norm MacDonald, comedian and Saturday Night Live star, dies at 61. Norm MacDonald, the deadpan comedian, actor, writer, and Saturday Night Live star, has died after a battle with cancer, Variety has confirmed. He was 61. That's pretty young, man. That's pretty young. That sucks. Uh, MacDonald uh, privately battled the disease for almost a decade says, quote, Norm was an original. He defined American humor with honesty and blunt force. Jeff Dennis, uh, president of DPN Talent and one of McDonald's reps, told Variety in a statement. Says dozens of comedians, including Seth Rogen, Jon Stewart, uh, Ron Funches. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. And uh, Jeff Gaffigan. Pay tribute to McDonald. Sorry, I'm not familiar with those two folks. I am familiar with Seth Rogen and John Stewart, though. Uh, said one of the greatest comedians to have ever lived uh, was, was among the tributes that was uh, a tribute to him. Said the comedian got his start in showbiz as a writer on Roseanne in 1992. 
after making rounds at comedy clubs in Canada. He joined the cast of Saturday Night Live in 1993, and the next year began his memorable stint as Weekend Update anchor until early 1998, when he was replaced by Colin Quinn. McDonald was known for his dry humor, non-sequiturs, and impressions of Burt Reynolds, David Letterman, Larry King, Quentin Tarantino, and many more during his five-year run on the show. He did a great Bob Dole, too. I remember he did a great Bob Dole. Uh, McDonald anchored Weekend Update during the O.J. Simpson trial, where he delivered one of his most memorable jokes at the top of the episode following Simpson's acquittal. Quote, well, it's finally over. Murder is legal in the state of California. <laughs> After his removal from Weekend Update, uh, McDonald, uh, McDonald actually accused NBC exec Don Olemheimer Olemheimer, of firing him over his controversial Simpsons jokes. Though um, the Olemheimer actually uh, cited poor ratings. He denied that. After uh, Saturday Night Live, McDonald created The Norm Show with Bruce Helford on ABC, which ran from 1998 until 2001. The comedian starred as Norm Henderson, a hockey player who was banned for life from the NHL because of gambling and tax evasion. <laughs> so he must perform five years of community service as a social worker. Uh, and they have some listings of some of the other folks that were in the cast. Uh, in the 90s, uh, McDonald appeared in films like Billy Madison, the People versus uh, Larry Flint and Eddie Murphy's Dr. Doolittle as the voice of Lucky the Dog. In 1998, he starred in the film Dirty Work, directed by Bob Saget, based on the Roald Dahl short story. Again, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. About two friends who raised money to pay for heart surgery for one of their fathers by starting a revenge for hire business. <laughs> and uh, among the cast of that was actually Chris Farley. Uh, many others, many others. Uh, had cameos by Don Rickles, Adam Sandler, John Goodman, and more. Uh, said he went on to provide voice uh, work in the Dr. Doolittle sequels and other animated films and shows. Uh, he, he voiced Lieutenant Yafit, a gelatinous uh, shape-shifting engineer on Fox sci-fi comedy The Orville, starring Seth MacFarlane. A third season of the show is set to release on Hulu. I wonder if... Um, you know, I, one thing I haven't heard, uh, Dave, is I wonder if he recorded his part for the Orville. Had you had you heard anything about that? Um, I'd seen a lot of uh, them, like Seth MacFarlane and different people, doing things to memorialize and and celebrate his life. You know, with his passing. But um, I didn't. I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't notice if they said if he had completed any voice work yet for um, the third season of the Orville. Um, I'd really like to know that. I mean, I, I would think that Seth would, would mention that, that he would put that out there one way or the other. So folks could either know that, Hey, we're not getting it. Or, um, you know, we have something, one last piece of work to look forward to, you know what I mean? Um, right. From, from, from Norm McDonald. I'd be really curious. I wish PJ was on here. Maybe PJ would have the scoop from Orville nation about whether, whether that's going to be a thing or not. Uh, Mott says he heard he finished the part. So Mott says, I heard, he says, I heard they finished his part. So that's, that's good news. If that's the case. Um, Mott's, if you have a source for that, uh, please let us know too. Uh, if you have, if, if you have a source for that, um, because I, I think that would, that would be obviously a nice little, you know, a nice little legacy 
of his career and something to look forward to because uh, Orville's a good show. And uh, you know, that's something that we've, we've promoted and things like that. And so I think that that would be really awesome. If at least we, we have that to look forward to, but I was pretty shocked about this. Um, you know, uh, he had, uh, Norm Macdonald had apparently kept, uh, his illness private. Uh, my understanding is that he had had cancer for like a decade and he just kept it to himself. He wasn't out there talking about it. And, uh, this was, this was uh, very sudden for a lot of people, even people that were close to him didn't really realize he was sick. You know what I mean? Um, but some people are like that, you know, some people, they, they want their privacy. And they're not out there, you know, telling everybody, you know, it's, it's, it's personal choice, right? It's personal choice. Well, that's, but, that's, it makes me think of what happened with Chad Bozeman. I mean, it, you know, you, you, they could, right. you know, you could tell from the paparazzi photos that, that something was wrong, but no one knew what was happening, you know, and, and then all of a sudden he was gone, you know? Um, and, um, that's what I thought of when I was hearing about what happened with Norm Macdonald, the, you know, the fact that he'd been living with it for quite some time and no one really knew. Right. Yeah. It, it was, it was pretty shocking in that regard. I was, I was shocked when I, when I heard that he had passed Yeah, because I, I just hadn't heard anything. And what's funny is just the previous week, I was on the Norm Macdonald binge on YouTube the other day. So like just last week I was on this binge and I was looking at a lot of his old bits from weekend update and it, and it was like you know this this thing of all of his oj jokes and man they were brutal they were awesome you know what i mean and i totally believe actually that's the reason he got fired you know what i mean so i i, I i'm on norm's side on this one uh i generally am not on the executive side anyway so you know what i mean um uh, Mott says uh mcdonald died on september 14th 2021 of cancer after the filming of season three had concluded but in the middle of its post-production, leaving Yapit's status actually uncertain. And uh, Mots has cited, uh, that's uh, OrvilleFandom.com. And that's, I guess, the wiki for Norm McDonald, too. So, well, that's tough. That kind of sucks. You know, if, if they, uh, I wonder what they would do if they would just recast him. If they already have, you know, they've already filmed you know, they've been on the principal photography and they just never were you know, just to haven't added the voice. I think they would have to recast it. Right. I mean, what else would they be able to do? You know, that kind of sucks, but yeah, I don't, that that's a weird, that's, that might be why yeah, that's saying anything. That's a tough problem because if yeah. they've already shot it, you know what I mean? Um, they've already yeah. shot the parts and you know, it's already done. Uh, that kind of sucks. I mean, they, they, I don't think they have any choice. Yeah. Seth might do it. Asia says that I could see that, but, it, but that is a tough thing that I think that would be a tough thing. And it's a tough thing to market too, because a lot of people are like, Oh no, you can't do that. You know what I mean? Um, but that kind of sucks. That does suck. That, that that's, that's a tough position to be in. If I, if I was uh, producing the Orville, I would be like, Oh, this sucks. This really sucks. What are we supposed to do? If it was my call, I would say we just got to recast the voice. There's nothing else we can do. Uh, the character lives on, right? So again, this is this is some tough news. It, the other thing that was funny, uh, Dave, about this also, I mentioned that I was on a Norm McDonald kick very recently. You know, um, the the day that I found out that he died, it was on Tuesday, and I have uh, I've been trying to uh, work out, and I I was I've got a trial membership at a gym. 
And uh, I was on one of those, um, you know, one of those machines, one of those uh, uh, treadmill machines, right? And it has its own TV. And I actually uh, put, uh, was trying to find something to watch, you know, on TV while I was doing this. And uh, you wouldn't you know it, uh, uh, Billy Madison was on. And so it was really funny. Like, so uh, Billy Madison was on. And then right after I got done is when I found out about this. So I just thought that yeah. was just weird. It's, it's kind of kind of serendipitous. You know what I mean? Like the fact that, uh, yeah. you know, because Norm McDonald's in that movie. And so, yeah, it's kind of neat kind of interesting. Yeah. I, um, you know, he was such a great comedian um, and he's done, you know, so much great stuff and, and 61 definitely to me seems too soon. Um, you know, and I quite liked his character of, of Yafit on Orville. And it was interesting, too, because the first couple of episodes, I wasn't too sure about all that. Um, <laughs> and as it went on, I came to really like the character and look forward to when he was on screen. And by the end of the second season, I mean, Yafit had actually established himself as a, you know, a, a, like an asset to the crew and, and a hero. And and um, so it really, really, you know, just all the way around. Um, it's just amazing what he was able to do, you know, with that character. Um, and um, yeah, I am. Um, it's just really sucks. It just got too many great people going way too soon. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a shame. And again, it's just one of those things that I think took a lot of people uh, off guard. They just didn't realize that, that the man was 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 having problems, you know. So, um, yeah, I'll always remember him. I think the most for Weekend Update. I mean, for the Saturday Night Live era, that's that's really where where I was into him, you know. So, and see, for me, uh, when I think um, when I think back on Norm Macdonald, I I can't. I can't not think about the Jeopardy stuff with him as Burt Reynolds because that stuff is <laughs> That's so a good hilarious. One That's a good one, you too. know. And yeah. and everything about that bit is great. The guy doing Connery is great. Will Ferrell, you know, uh, like everyone is so great. Like that's the thing. Those Jeopardy bits are just so on point and they're so hilarious, just all across the board. Yeah. And that Burt Reynolds is it's weird because it just it just totally seems like Burt Reynolds too. You know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> gosh, so great. So, I don't think Burt Reynolds himself really liked it, though. <laughs> I would say that, you know. So, I don't care. It's highly entertaining. So, I did see uh, that was neat that uh, Bob Dole actually uh, did a tweet. Uh, and so, obviously, he, he took it all in, in good fun because I always thought he did a, he did a pretty funny uh, impression of Bob Dole. So, um, yeah. Uh, as you said, uh, gone too soon, uh, but yeah. we definitely wanted to remember him here on the show. Um, I think that he his impact uh, on comedy will remain because I think he's one of those guys that's a comedian's comedian. Like a yeah. comedian, even when we didn't get the joke as the public, it the, the inside joke was obviously there. That's something I think he was also known for. It's like nobody was laughing except like his friend in backstage for some of his jokes because. Uh, he, he, it's it's pretty funny sometimes to watch him because on some of his performances, I mean, it's like no reaction, right? You know? So he because he had a very weird uh, sense of humor. So I think in a lot of ways he was that comedian's comedian, and nobody else really got the joke, you know. So yeah, and I think he'll be known for that. 
All right. Well, do we want to segue now into the streaming wars segment that you wanted yeah, to do? We have, we have not done streaming wars in forever, folks. I mean, it has been a long time. And I have uh, uh, two different articles, two different stories, but I did feel that these had streaming war uh, uh, implications, streaming wars implications. And it's been a long time since we, we covered this stuff. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. So um, the first article that I wanted to talk about uh, is actually th th there's this is one of those things where it's like I don't want to look into it too much, I guess because I don't want to be like, like, you know, finding things that aren't there. But I, I think this is worth discussing because there's a lot of people that are kind of like, eh, I think something's going on. Okay. This is actually a, a, from, from, from Reuters. Okay. And the uh, article, uh, the title is uh, Viacom CBS breaks up Paramount's film and television units. Now this is from September 13th, last updated four days ago. It says Viacom CBS Incorporated said on Monday it is restructuring the operations of its Paramount Pictures movie and television production unit in a broader shakeup aimed at ramping up content on its cable and streaming services. The company has said Paramount te Paramount's television arm will be run as a separate entity under the leadership of David Nevins, chief executive officer the chief executive officer of Showtime Networks. With more people flocking to streaming services for entertainment, the move will allow the company to focus on its rebranded Paramount Plus streaming platform, as well as its cable networks, uh, Showtime and Pluto TV. A lot of people forget that Pluto TV is owned by uh, Viacom CBS. Brian Robbins, the current president of Nickelodeon, will take on the additional role of heading Paramount's movie studio business taking over from Jim, Gal I'm sorry, I can't even pronounce his name, but uh, taking over from uh, Jim uh, Viacom CBS set. Uh, so I find this interesting because we have to put this in some context. And I, had you heard about this at all, Dave? Had this, had this been on your radar at all? I hadn't heard about this this breakup uh, of these different divisions, um, but you you could tell something was going on because it was kind of weird. Because like as Hollywood said, you know James Bond channel is back on Pluto, and there's been some things on Pluto that's kind of shifted around. Um, I actually, yeah, so Hollywood Jackson says the James Bond channel is back on Pluto TV. Um, I um, I I watch a lot of Pluto. Uh, my only complaint with uh, Pluto is that sometimes on my Samsung television things will hang up. Yeah, um, but I watch a, I watch a lot of weird stuff on Pluto. But there's been a lot of new content and things kind of moving around. And it, in the back of my head, it made me wonder if there was something going on. Um, so um, I hadn't heard about this, but it would it would tend to match up with some of the like weird random things I've been seeing that's been making me kind of go, huh? I wonder if there's something going on. <laughs> Well, there is. That makes any sense. Well, there is. The, the context of this that I, th I think people you know, should be thinking about is you have to remember that Paramount and CBS had split, that they were, they were separate entities for quite a while. And most people say that was kind of a disaster. Um, and it's very counterintuitive. Uh, obviously, you know, these days, 
consolidation is all over the place. Um, and you see these mega corporations that are even gobbling up all these things that don't even seem to go together, you know, like AT&T owning Warner, Warner Brothers, you know, which that's changing because now yeah. what AT&T is doing is they're basically uh, combining uh, Discovery with Warner Brothers and it's going to be its own company. So in context, again, most people, I think, believe that the the split of cbs and paramount was a disaster and it had some implications for star trek okay no doubt and if, if you're one of those people like me that's really not digging new trek uh you in large part you blame the breakup because it's important to remember prior to discovery cbs had never made a star trek show okay cbs had never made a star, a star trek show that was paramount Paramount's television division and, of course, their film division had made Star Trek. And, of course, their film, uh, Paramount's continued with the J.J. verse. The JJ, and it was this weird thing that was going on. That's where that 25% thing comes you know, from and, and all these weird other controversies that are floating out there because at one point, Paramount was having to license Star Trek, if you can believe that. I mean, that's just asinine, asinine that Paramount was having to license Star Trek when that's the only studio that has ever made Star Trek other than Desilu. Desilu Studios was the only other studio that ever made Trek, and that's the original series. So for all that time, Paramount had made Star Trek, and then all of a sudden CBS got its hands on it, and to me, it's been a disaster. Okay? So the question becomes, is history repeating itself? Are they going right back down this terrible path they went on before where they're, they're separating these units. Um, and you have to ask yourself why again, it's like, haven't they learned? I mean, this was a disaster last time they did it, but the rumor out there is okay. The rumor out there is that this is corporate restructuring because they are getting ready to sell. That's the rumor. And I don't huh. know if you had heard that. I haven't heard that at all. Yeah, that's the rumor. And that's one of those things where that's why I was saying I don't want to, you know, be, be trying to find things that aren't there, but the rumors right. out there, people are saying it. And, and that rumor actually has been out there for a while. The rumor that uh, they're going to sell Star Trek has been out there for a while. Um, but also we have to remember what happened to Fox, right? Fox gave up in the streaming yeah. wars. Fox is a casualty of the streaming wars, basically. They were like, I can't believe we didn't get Star Wars. Now Disney Plus is coming out. We're done. Of course, the irony is that Fox actually owns Tubi, so they actually still are in the streaming wars to some extent, you know, but not with new content, right? They got rid of their studios. The, the studios part of, of Fox is gone, but they still have their networks. But uh, the question is, is something similar brewing at Paramount, at Viacom CBS? Is a similar situation happening? Are they getting ready to sell Star Trek? Because that's what a lot of people also think with all these different, because, you know, with all these different Star Trek series that are being greenlit, and it seems like a new Star Trek show is being greenlit like every day now. It's kind of ridiculous, actually. Some people say, well, they're doing that because they're trying to say, hey, look, look how valuable and great this, this, this property is that we're getting ready to sell, you know? So I, I really wonder if that's what's going on. And of course, the, you know, the, the, that could have, uh, you know, huge 
you know, uh, far-reaching implications for the streaming wars if that happens, if they sell Star Trek or they sell Paramount or whatever. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm curious if that's what's going to happen. Cue the Picard jokes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, um, Asia uh, put uh, into the chat, she put, uh, cue the Picard jokes, laugh out loud. Yeah. And I was going to say this. So Asia on a previous episode had, had mentioned that she had enjoyed lower decks. And of course we had given up on lower decks at one point. Well, I actually recently actually got a paramount plus um, subscription because they're going to be taking original series, star Trek off of a lot of the other services. And it's only going to be available on paramount plus. So I went ahead and bought a subscription to paramount plus. Um, and so I've been going through some things and because Asia had said that she liked Lower Decks, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Asia, but I thought you said that you had liked Lower Decks. Um, I um, I started watching the the where we had left off. I picked up and actually watched into season two of Lower Decks, and I actually quite enjoyed season two of Lower Decks. Ugh. And uh, there was there was an episode there was an episode that had me laughing pretty good. I mean, it's yes. I I I I. I actually enjoyed it so the second yeah, it's weird because i'm it, not going back i'm not going no back. i'm I, I, i'm I not am. saying you need to go back i'm just yeah. saying i i went ahead and uh i was i was like well you know Asia said she liked it so maybe i should check it out and uh i really liked <laughs> that second season it's really weird because it's it's like um it's it, with me it was i i don't know i just because i wasn't expecting to like it and I, I finished out the first season and it was okay. Um, but the second season I thought was a lot better and it had some really good laughs. And I laughed out loud uh, actually quite a bit actually at the second season stuff. So, Well, Asia says, yes. Oh, thank you. See, I converted him. So <laughs> join the dark side because we have cookies, she says. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm done. I, I am not even going to. I'm not going to deal with Paramount Plus. I, I'm done. I'm done. I don't care. I don't care anymore. I, that 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 that's that part of my life is over. <laughs> you know what I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I am done. I'm done. Um, Howard Jackson mentions. He says, "I love the Price Is Right channel. Uh, it's always 10 a.m. with Bob Barker. <laughs> don't forget the Bob Ross channel too, and uh, all the happy little trees." I'm curious, Hollywood Jackson, if you're a Bob Ross fan, if you've um, checked out the documentary, uh, the Bob Ross documentary that came out recently. Um, uh, my understanding is that they made some pretty uh, damning uh, allegations uh, for um, the company that basically owns uh, Bob Ross's work and stuff like that. So be curious yeah, if you I, have, have an opinion on I, that. I, I haven't watched any of the Bob Ross channel stuff since I watched the documentary because the documentary is pretty scathing. Um, the, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen pretty, it. Yeah, I saw it. it. It's pretty scathing. Um, now, the Price is Right channel is a completely different story. I actually uh, agree with you, Hollywood. I, I do occasionally have the Price is Right channel on. Um, <laughs> I watch a lot of Bloomberg News. Um, I, I It's going to sound awful. I actually will occasionally put on the Love Boat and have the Love Boat on in the background. It just, it's weird because a lot of the stuff that's on uh, Pluto TV just it because it's a lot of the stuff that i grew up watching it's very comforting and um i've really been enjoying that um and 
Um, I don't know if that's good to admit, but <laughs> well, I, I, it's funny because I haven't really been uh, really nostalgic on Pluto TV lately. I've been watching. I've been trying to catch up on The Walking Dead. So I, I, I watched a lot of The Walking Dead because I, I that's the show that I stopped watching. And, I you know, now that it's the last season, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to try to catch up a little bit. And they have an AMC channel on Pluto. And I watched a bunch of episodes of The Walking Dead from, you know, the, the last season. Or not the current season, but the, the previous season. So I was catching up on that. And then I was watching a lot of Bar Rescue. I started just watching Bar Rescue like crazy because I, 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 I love that show. I freaking love that show. So I was watching a lot of that. So I think that the thing about Pluto TV is there really is something for everybody on that thing. Um, and a and lot of it, a it, lot it, of it really is kind of a, a property that, that uh, to me, I think it's more valuable than Paramount plus because I'm watching it. I'm not watching Paramount plus, but I'm watching Pluto TV and uh, Hollywood Jackson mentions, he says, well, where's the captain Kirk channel? There is a star Trek channel on, uh, on Pluto TV. And, um, they even show Picard on Pluto TV. I don't know if people realize that. So it's like Pluto TV is pretty cool. And I, 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 I want nothing to do with uh, with Paramount Plus, but I dig Pluto TV. You know, anything free, I dig. So yeah, and then um, Asia has on here. She says that I love the Love Boat, and yeah, I <laughs> I I really like it too. Um, you know what's neat about I, the Love Boat is just all the different, um, all the different stars of yesteryear that were on that. Like, yeah. like Bob Denver, you know, not Bob Denver, um, uh, Gilligan. Um, he was. On, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's really interesting sometimes to see those old Love Boat uh, episodes, just because you see actors that really you never you know, people that got even got typecast and you never really saw in anything else. And they'll be on an episode of the love boat, you know, doing a completely different part, which I think is kind of cool. You know, that's kind of yeah. a neat thing that they, that they did. I didn't realize until now how, uh, you know, how many kind of different stars that they had on that show, you know, cause I've been channel surfing and stuff like that actually on uh, I think it's, I think I want to say decades or cozy TV does the love boat as well. It's one of the on uh, one of the on the air uh, networks, one of those digital sub networks, and I, I see it when I'm channel surfing and stuff. Yeah, um, we in in our uh, our bar scene actually in red skirts, we have a robot that's totally meant to you know be sort of like a, a robot stand-in for Isaac. Okay, that's cool. Because it because it makes no sense for the robot to have a bow tie, but he has a bow tie because <laughs> there you go. Al, Al and I were both thinking of Isaac from the love boat when we were putting that <laughs> scene together. So, <laughs> and then uh, let's see, Hollywood Bench. He says I watched uh, War Games like five times this week. <laughs> I'm assuming that was on for the TV. So uh, that's a good one. Um, and he says the uh, the the Pluto Star Trek channel is all Picard. So <laughs> it is actually, I think it's all next gen. Actually, it's not really a Star Trek channel. They call it the Star Trek channel, but I think it's actually all next gen. Uh, they don't show any of the other shows on Pluto TV. I could be wrong, but um, they showed Picard actually on the, uh, they have like a, uh, what is it? It's like a Paramount plus spotlight channel or something like that, where they take random shows from Paramount plus and they show it on Pluto TV. So again, I don't know why you want Pluto. 
I don't know why people are even investing in in, 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 in in Paramount Plus, but you can find a lot of that I, stuff on Pluto TV anyway, for free. I, I am I am on Paramount Plus right now primarily because that's where original series Star Trek is going, and I like the remastered versions. And I never bought DVDs or Blu-rays of the remastered versions, and I really gotcha. like them. And it it is. Um, to open up about what my life is like, um, I am often working really, really late at night. And when I'm working really, really late at night, whether I am in uh, the bedroom or I am out in the living room or I'm here in the studio because um, I have a Surface Pro and so I can draw in basically any, any room in the house. Um, and the way it usually works out for me is that when it's late at night, and I'm getting ready for bed. And I'm usually when I'm drawing for myself, ironically enough, when I'm drawing for myself and I'm just sketching something, which is a lot of times the stuff I put on social media, um, that's when original series Star Trek is on. And it just reminds me of being a kid and watching it before I went to bed. Yeah. Because uh, it was on like really late at night and it was on in the afternoon um, when I was growing up, it seemed like. Um, and I just, I love it. it and, and, um, if I could program a channel, um, it would probably be, if I was going to program a channel for me to watch at night before I go to bed, um, it's going to sound really awful, uh, but it would be Taxi, Rockford Files, and then Star Trek. Oh, that's interesting. That's that, interesting. Uh, and, and it's weird because I, I was re-watching the hell out of uh, Rockford Files until it got reassigned. I, I don't even know where the hell it is right now. It used to be on Hulu, but it's gone. Um, I think it's on, it's either on, it might be on Peacock. I don't remember where they, I, I've been having a hard time figuring out where it is because I keep moving it around. I think it is yeah. on Peacock actually. Um, yeah. The Dave Beatty channel. With Dave Beatty says. Rockford Files, Taxi, and Classic Star Trek. That's yeah. interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> That's it's a lot of, it, it, you know, it's, it's, you know, Taxi had some of the just, hilariously awesome funny oh my god that that's christopher lloyd bit with him as jim as the driver trying to do the driver's test that's still the, one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my life um but <laughs> uh yeah, that, that, that is a classic oh my thing. gosh that is, that is so thing. if you have never seen it i'm not even going to try and do it because you just need to go watch that episode of taxi figure out where it is and, and watch it it's out it's one of the funny the only thing that compared to that was the first time i saw liar liar and uh the whole bit with the blue pen that i mean that was the only thing uh, like up until that point i had never seen anything that made me i mean laugh so hard i was crying um that bit with jim and the driver's test is is incredible yeah that's that, that hilarious is, that's, that's a classic episode that's a, that's a good one uh, Asia says, uh, high five. Those were my jams. Taxi was the best. Andy Kaufman was epic. So actually, it's, it's interesting. Um, speaking of Andy Kaufman, I, I do kind of think Norm MacDonald and Andy Kaufman have a similarity in that that way that I was talking about being the comedian's comedian. And a lot of times it's like the, the only person that really got the joke was them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. I think it's kind of an interesting I I wanted to mention that when we were talking about uh, Norm Macdonald. That's why I mentioned it now, and I forgot about that. So that, that reminded me of that. 
Oh, Jackson says, the... uh, don't forget the G.I. Joe and He-Man cartoons, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Can't forget that. I think he, he's saying that he, you need that for the Dave Beatty channel. You got to Well, if, if it also, cartoons. too, if, if we're going to have cartoons on the Dave Beatty channel, um, we would have um, actually uh, some Batman cartoons. And even though I want to say Batman, the animated series, it would actually be the new adventures of Batman. It was actually voiced by uh, Adam West and Burt Ward. Huh. That's interesting. The ones that had Batmite on them. But that's the Batman cartoons I grew up on. And I, I love those cartoons. I don't know how other people feel about them. And probably Dungeons and Dragons, too. That's a good one. If, if, if we're going to program a Dave Beatty channel. You know, oh. what I would, you know what I would love to see, speaking of Dungeons and Dragons and speaking of cartoons, I would just love to see somebody uh, take all these old, you know, Saturday morning cartoons that, that are gone and they're, they're, they're not anywhere as far as I can tell uh, and just make a channel that's just all the old Saturday morning cartoons because there were so many and it seems like now they're just gone, you know? Like, you know, like Thundar the Barbarian, you know what I mean? Or even like Rubik's Cube, I mean, Pac-Man, uh, Gilligan in Space. I mean, they, there were so many crazy Saturday morning cartoons, and they're like all just gone. Like, and, the, the, you, 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 there's no place to go find them, you know? And for, in my personal opinion, um, there, there's, you know, now that you're throwing out like great cartoons that are being slowly forgotten, um, I know that you didn't care for it too much, Eric, when I showed it to you, but I'm going to throw Mighty Orbots out there because I love Mighty Orbots and Galaxy High. Galaxy High was a huge point. Galaxy of High was one I really liked, too. I, I liked Galaxy, Galaxy High. High. I love uh, Galaxy High. I thought that was a really good show. So but but all those things seem to be like forgotten now. Like there's just no place to find them. And a lot you, of them, you know, well, all of them pretty much are net, were network shows. Yeah. And it's like so. And all these networks have something you know some sort of streaming platform out there it's like why don't they put all this stuff out there yeah and not, and then they and have all this you know family content and stuff like that I don't, I don't i don't get it i don't get it and it's weird too because galaxy high is so well written it's so funny the character designs are so great i mean galaxy high i mean and you can watch after you know talking about go to the dark side you can watch uh galaxy high episodes actually um on uh youtube just like if you search it out, you can find uh, Mighty Orbots and some of the other cartoons we're talking about. You can find those alive uh, in low-grade quality uh, on YouTube. Um, but, you know, and, and that's the thing. Some of this stuff is really good that's just being left to just be forgotten. Yeah. And, and it's funny because you look at all the stuff that they're recycling or they're trying to bring back in some form, and then there's all these amazing things out there. It's like, well... If you're looking for streaming content for your network, why don't you have Galaxy High right. as a part of your animation block? Um, you know, and, and I don't understand why. I don't understand why some of these things are being forgotten. Yeah, I don't either, especially because having a, a huge library is is absolutely essential for a streaming platform. And they all talk about that. I mean, that's yeah. why that's why Disney went out there and acquired all this IP because they wanted to have that huge library for Disney plus. It's not just about the new stuff. Uh, the new stuff is, is what might get somebody there initially, but what keeps people there is that legacy content, that huge yeah. library of content. So it's a, you know, we're talking about the streaming wars. It's it, it's to me, it's a no brainer. It's like, why, why, why aren't they doing that? But you know, I guess 
sometimes there's rights issues. I know that sometimes there are some weird rights issues that happen with some of these, especially when they're licensed properties, but uh, it's still kind of, kind of weird. Uh, Asia mentions, it says, uh, um, Eric, uh, they did, you know, they did have something called cartoon network, but then rest in peace. That's right. Cause I'm a cord cutter. So I haven't, I haven't watched cartoon network in forever. You know what I mean? So I, I don't do cable. I don't do the cable thing. Uh, Mott's mentions boomerang. You know, Boomerang is, you know, he asked the question, is this even still around? And I don't know. find a link for Boomerang.com. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, there is Boomerang. But even Boomerang doesn't have a lot of the Saturday morning stuff. So uh, the, 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 a lot of these Saturday morning cartoons are just they're just gone. You know what I mean? You just cannot find them anywhere other than like, you know, pirated or YouTube or something like that. You know, yeah, There's no official place for it. Uh, Jane mentions the tick. That was a good one. That's the a tick was great. The animated was 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 very very good. I agree. I, I really like that one. Uh, Hollywood says D and D says D and D. Yes, and the original uh, Batman series uh, with Adam West. Um, and we had some Galaxy High love there from Asia. And he said Asia also says that you're on her playlist. Uh, Dave says Dave Beatty, uh, you're on her playlist. And uh, of course, Mott uh, mentions that yes, he does remember watching Thundar the Barbarian. That's a classic. I would love to see um, a revival of Thundar, and I would love to see a live action Thundar. That's something I think if I ever have clout, um, you know, and you know, money and clout, like a, you know, become a, a successful uh, film producer and stuff like that, I would really look into that. That's something I would look into to try to get the rights for. I think there's a lot of potential for that series. You there's know? tons, tons of uh, potential for Thunder the Barbarian. And there's a lot of love for Thunder the Barbarian, too, that still is out there to this day. Um, and the thing that always throws me off is whenever they do take these older properties like that and they make them uh, and uh, you know adapt them into a new form, I'm always kind of stunned because it seems like if you're going to run uh, uh, like a retooled version of the original theme song you should do it in the end credits and it seems like almost no one does that um because yeah. that thunder of the barbarian that's that's a really cool intro song that they use and it's very yeah. action it's got a lot of like, driving momentum to it and it's really that was a good show that, 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 it was that, that was a really neat show especially for saturday morning uh, saturday morning cartoon uh because i feel like that's one of those shows that like in a lot of ways it'll still stand up um, yeah. And um, I th again, I think that there was a lot of potential for that, and they just never did anything with it. Um, See, so it, it, if I had the money and I could do it, um, uh, and this is not a cartoon, this is actually a comic book series, I would actually go out and get the rights, and I would do a revival of Justice uh, Justice Machine, and I would do a revival of Elementals. Uh, those are two really, really great series that are basically being forgotten. Well, I, I'm not even familiar talking. with them. I'm not even familiar with them. So that's interesting. Yeah, they were both really, really fun series, and I really liked them. They were very um, kind of crazy. Uh, Elementals actually had a controversial issue at one point because of some of the stuff they did in it. But I I just think those properties have just got an awful lot of potential. And when Kamiko was actually publishing those books in the 80s, um, those two books actually crossed over. So they were essentially in the same universe. Um, and so you kind of have the underpinnings of like a superhero universe right there between Justice Machine and the Elementals. 
And it, um, it, it's really interesting because we live in the era of the remake and the reboot, the reimagining, uh, the re everything. And it, 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 it's so weird to me sometimes what Hollywood chooses yeah. to, to, to revive. Um, and it's so weird to me sometimes. It's like you're remaking that again. You know, and, and there's so much stuff that it's like, dude, that was never broke to begin with. You know, why are you trying to fix it? You know what I mean? Whereas like, for instance, you know, like Thundar, going back to Thundar, they didn't make that many episodes. You know what I mean? There was there was still plenty of other stories to tell. It's not something that was even really um, explored. You know what I mean? The, the way that it could have been. Um, and you could even do like a backstory, right? You could show disaster. You could go. You, there's so many yeah. ways you could go with something like that. But it's like that's dead. But we're we're yeah. getting we're getting the the you know the hundredth uh, Star Trek series now. You know what I mean? So I I don't know. I just think it's weird. I think it's weird what they what they pick. Uh, Asia mentions that she wants to uh, cosplay Ariel. That would be really cool. I would love to see that Asia. If we did that, <laughs> I definitely would like to see it. And she said, I guess she's a fan of Visionaries. So Visionaries was really great too. That was another one of those lines that that had so much potential um and uh, i don't know there's there's a lot of fun things like that that i think could be you know you know slightly retooled and, it, it, and the idea there back. too in my mind is is that something that's like wasn't like super super successful and that's why i'm saying to me it would make more sense to bring that yeah. back you know pe people make the point i've heard this a uh, hundred times why don't we remake bad movies yeah why don't we remake bad movies? Seriously, because a lot of bad movies had a really interesting premise or they're bad because, you know, like the effects are dated or something like that. Right. So yeah. it's like in that sense, to me, it would make sense to redo that. But the, instead, we keep trying to take stuff that, you know, was good to begin with. And then we just to me, we remake it into the ground. You know what I mean? Because that's just the way I feel right now about so many of the big franchises. You know, whether you talk about Star Trek or Star Wars, or it's like, dude, at this point, you're just ruining it. You're killing it for me. You know what I mean? Why don't you find some? First of all, I would love if they did something new. But if you if you are going to keep remaking stuff, why don't you remake some of this more obscure stuff that never really had a chance? If it, if it had the right marketing and maybe a, a little bit better writing or better effects, it could be really good. You know, and it could be really successful, yeah. but they don't do that. They don't do that. It, it's interesting to me, too, because, you know, for example, I, I think about Josh Trank's uh, Fantastic Four movie, um, which, you know, um, I know some people liked it. You know, most most of the diehard Marvel and Fantastic Four fans hated it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if, if you take that sensibility, you know, and, and Josh Trank's a, a talented filmmaker, and if he had made Elementals and made a feature film of Elementals as opposed to Fantastic Four, again, any kind of creative changes he wanted to make within reason isn't going to really offend anyone because the, the property is effectively dead. And yeah, it would have just brought it back. And then, you know, a publishing company would pick up the license and, you know, reprint the classic material in a really nice format. You know, and, and new people would discover it and wow, this is really cool. And you might get a new series out of it and another film. And, you know, it could live on, you know, yeah. as opposed to taking something that that maybe has had a heyday and maybe needs to rest for a little while before exactly. 
we exactly. re-envision it for a, a new audience. So but, but that that also brings up an interesting point of a lot of a lot of us as fans, we get upset because someone comes in uh, to an established property and they change it, right? And they change it because we know the canon. We care about canon, right? As fans, we care about canon. I, I'm a canon guy. I'm a lore guy. You know what I mean? And when I see the lore and the canon screwed screwed up, it pisses me off, and it, it, you yeah. know I, I become alienated. If it's if it's a, a it's a property that's not all that well established, you can make those changes because honestly, the fan base isn't that big to begin with. So if you are offending the quote existing fan base, they weren't they they weren't sustainable anyway. You know what I mean? So it's like it doesn't really matter. So then you you can get away with those changes. You know what I mean? Because right. it's it's people aren't as heavily invested, or even if they are, the numbers are so low, it doesn't really matter. You know, that's just the bottom line. But when you're well, talking about these huge franchises like Star Wars and 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 Star Trek and Marvel and things like that, you're you're offending a huge part of your audience with some of these changes. You're you're alienating, you know, millions and millions of people, you know, literally. You're you're alienating them. So I, I just I don't get it. I don't get the whole approach. You know, a lot of this stuff well, does just need to rest for a little while. And and along those lines too, I, I also think that, for example, going back to elementals again, you know, it you know, you can have those, you know, three, four obvious fan service moments in a film like that. And for the diehard fans, that's amazing because that would be the first time any of that stuff would ever have been done in live action. So yeah. even if you had other changes, you know, that fan base is more likely to go along with it because, wow, they did that or they did this and, and that's really cool. And um, I just um, I just always been of the opinion that um, there's a lot of really great stuff out there that if if they want to take something and, and retool a little bit and, and take it for a spin around the block, there's a lot of really great material that, that is available. Yeah, um, if, I agree. If they just want to look beyond you know, the initial stuff they're doing. For example, if I had a ton of money and was in charge of Universal and get, get the rights and secure it, I would do um, a new $6 million man movie. We have to update the price, but I, I would do a new Bionic Man. I would do a new Bionic Woman. And then for all of us that grew up watching Bionic 6 back in the day, <laughs> I would finally put all of that to rest. And the third film in the series would be kids that were injured that now had bionics and it would be called the bionic six and the bionic man and bionic woman would be the ones that were taking care of them and and teaching them to use their powers and because they're all orphans and they've lost their families they would adopt them and you'd have your big heartwarming tear-jerking moment at the end that would be my bionic trilogy that's what i would do that's cool i like it i like it you know yeah I know that they have tried to revive um, the Bionic Woman, you know, but it just it didn't work out very well. So, um, but that that would be interesting, and it's interesting to tie that all in, uh, you know, into each other. That, that's an interesting idea, Dave. But speaking well, of Universal, so... but speaking of yeah. Universal, speaking of Universal, this is the other article that I want to talk about. So this is a Variety article, uh, and this is about Christopher Nolan, and uh, I don't know if you heard about this, Dave, but. Uh, this Variety article says Christopher Nolan uh, making film about the development of the atomic bomb for Universal. So uh, this is interesting because uh, Christopher Nolan has primarily worked with Warner Brothers. And he has been upset about the HBO Max deal. 
And he's been very vocal about that. In fact, there was a back and forth between him and the studio where the studio was like, hey, hey cool it. You know what I mean? Uh, you're going too far with this. So apparently there has been a rift in the relationship between Warner Brothers and Christopher Nolan. Now, what's interesting about this in regards to the streaming wars is this rift is a direct result of HBO Max's, uh, or I should say Warner Brothers' decision to put their films on HBO Max and in the theater at the same time. Nolan is a traditionalist. He doesn't like that. It pisses him off. Um, he didn't like that decision. I honestly think it's not a bad decision because I think it gives the theaters material so they have something. I'd rather have it and have it in the theaters than, you know, like, say, what they're doing with, like, uh, Top Gun, for instance, where they just keep delaying, delaying, delaying. You keep delaying, guess what? The theaters are going to go away because they don't have any new content to put out. At least now they have new content. Now, granted, they're having to compete with HBO Max, uh, but it's still better than nothing. It's better than not having anything in, uh, at all. But Nolan hasn't been happy about this. So it's interesting to me that he went to Universal because Universal um, has a more... It's kind of funny because they, they do have a more traditional marketing strategy for their films. But if you go back to, you know, and, and we covered this, Universal was the first one to sort of change the, the, the release window, the, the theatrical release window, because they wanted to get their films uh, out on, you know, video on demand uh, quicker. They, they, they basically made it like a 30-day window. So they, it's kind of funny because they were the first ones to kind of, you know, go after the, 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 the theatrical window. But now, <laughs> where we're at now, Universal is actually considered like the good guy for the traditionalist. So I think that's really interesting. I think that's really funny and that's really weird because we covered when Universal was doing like their changes like uh, you know, like with uh, Trolls, uh, the Trolls movie, when it came out, that was a big thing because of, of how they were changing stuff that was in the middle of the pandemic and they were changing the release window. But the thing was, at least that movie had a theatrical release. And that, at that point, the only theaters that were really open were the drive-ins. You know what I mean? So like, they, there was no, but, but Trolls was in the drive-ins. You know what I mean? It was a new movie and it was in the drive-ins. And it, it's just kind of funny, but that you have this sort of traditionalist you know, and 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 uh, Christopher Nolan that really you know wants to maintain that that theatrical window and the theatrical release and and believes in it, um, and you know now Universal is the good guy. I just think that's really interesting. Had you heard about this, uh, Dave? That that you know Christopher Nolan is kind of kind of burning bridges with uh, Warner Brothers. I knew that he was not happy about things that that's been uh, covered you know previously. Um, and I wondered at some point if it might cause him to, you know, feel like he needed to do something else. Um, it is interesting, though, Eric, as you pointed out, that that he's over at Universal. Right. Because, yeah, at that point, Universal was seen as the villain. Right. So it's very interesting to see the villain now and, and everyone like going, well, they're, they're probably the doing guy. it right. Yeah, they're now probably the doing guy. it right. So, yeah, and that, and that is one criticism that I did bring up. Of, of, H, of the HBO Max deal that Warner Brothers is doing is like, well, not why not at least have like a two-week, you know, exclusive window? 
You know what I mean? For the theaters, like, like just have a really short exclusive window. Why, why can't they do that? You know what I mean? Um, th that, that was my question when, when we, we, we even first started discussing uh, the deal that, that HBO Max was doing or, or Warner Brothers, I should say, in terms of, of their release. But um, yeah, you know, Universal's the good guy. You know what I mean? At this point. And I just think that's kind of funny. Yeah, it is really interesting how it, it's, it's, you know, it's all kind of turned on its head. So I'm curious, you are you, are you even interested in this movie, by the way, the movie itself, I'm kind of like, they did this already. In fact, even the article mentions that, you know, fat man, little boy was not a, not a box office success, but then again, maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's an example of what I was just saying. Hey, let's let's remake the bad movies. You know what I mean? Since it didn't work, maybe this is the and, way to go. You know, but I don't you know, know, as a and you know this too, Eric. I mean, as as a creative person, as a storyteller, occasionally you will latch on to something that maybe is not the world's greatest idea, but it holds your you know infatuation, yeah. and and you really want to see it adapted because yeah. you believe either the story is important or you've fallen in love with some some aspect of it and and you know you want to shepherd it you know in into reality so um and you know with exam i think a good example of that is dunkirk i mean dunkirk is a great film um but you know i don't know that if someone went here's here's several projects you can do and dunkirk is sitting in the pile of projects i don't know that i would be like oh i want to do this you know yeah. it's a great film you know um but there's the other other moments potentially even in world war ii history that i would have put you know that would have caught my interest more right um so like the manhattan it, project <laughs> I mean, that's what i'm trying to say it's like no i i feel dunkirk like the most... makes sense to me because dunkirk is a huge event i mean so yeah. it, it makes a lot of sense to me because that was a critical moment uh for england absolutely critical if that operation had not succeeded literally it could have changed the outcome of the war I no, mean, it literally no, I... was that important you know what i mean it, it would no, have been an absolute that. disaster if they had lost the British Expeditionary Force. I mean, it would have, and, and you can imagine how demoralizing that would be all of those troops and POW camps. And, and, and this was when essentially, and this is right before the fall of France, once France falls, you know, the UK would have been standing alone. I mean, it, it, that is such an important moment, right? No. So I, I can understand that, but the Manhattan Project, I'm like, uh, you know what I mean? Plus, it's already been done and it didn't really work. I think that's the other point I'm trying to make, you know? Right. Well, the, the only point I'm making is that I, I don't know if in a pile of projects, I, I don't know if that would have, you know, I understand the historical importance of it. Um, I was actually uh, part of a group that up until recently um, I, we were doing um, what is it? Uh, war in Europe which is this crazy, super epic, you know, tabletop um, game. And it's got like thousands it's the of one where pieces. You're the, you were the Italians, right? Weren't you the weren't Yeah, you I was the Italian, yeah. <laughs> I was the Mussolini, gonna rule of the world. That's, that's who I would want to be um, in World War II, is the Italians. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
<laughs> Why do you laugh? We have this best of food. <laughs> Italians were terrible. In World and, War and that's II. the I worst mean, part. They were, a joke. they were terrible. A lot of what I did was my stupid Italian accent. I'm yeah. going to send in the merchant ships into uh, the Mediterranean. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow. No, I mean, I, but the point being is that in that period, you know, I was, you know, the guys I was with were giving me like actual historical books and things to read and be aware of and, and pointing me to other films and documentaries. So I, I got much further into World War II than I'd ever gotten before. Um, and so I understand the historical importance and significance of Dunkirk. I'm just saying as a story, I don't know if immediately I would have been like, oh, yeah, let's do that. You know, and the litany of all the things that happened, you know, in, in World War II. Um, mm. But that's just me, you know. Um, so and because everyone has their own. But that's all I'm saying is that sometimes you fall in love with that passion project. And other but you would do the Manhattan see. Project is what you're saying. But you would do the Manhattan Project. <laughs> That, the that only Manhattan, <laughs> the only Manhattan project I want to, you know, would have wanted to adapt, but I don't see the point in it anymore. Is you know, the, the Watchmen. You know, there's a lot of Doctor Manhattan, you know, stuff happening in that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I love that yeah, story. I, I, I'll adapt I, I, that. But, but, but I will say, done. I mean, there is that. Twice. It's almost actually a little bit of a cliche yeah. in Hollywood where you do have. Uh, these insane pet projects of 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 famous directors you know what i mean like there's rumors right. and stuff like that where it's like they're obsessed with something just totally stupid you know what i mean yeah. but it's it's what they're obsessed with they want to do it maybe they wanted to do it ever since they were a kid and that's why it's so stupid you know what i mean uh but there's always those little stories and rumors like it's almost like i said it's almost like a hollywood cliche that everybody has like their sort of crazy pet project you know what i mean Right. And occasionally it happens. And, and that's why some of those crazy stories happen because that's what it was. It's somebody that's like on a, you know, you know, a Nolan level that's just like, I really want to do this. And because they have the clout, that's the only reason that was made. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's literally the only reason it was made is just because that guy is into it. Now, the Manhattan Project is, you know, uh, uh, an important event in history. I mean, it, it still has implications to this day and, and will for the future. But yeah. I just don't know how well that story is adapted. You know what I mean? Or, or can be adapted. Uh, like I said, I mean, they, they they did it. You know what I mean? They, they, yeah, they did right, try yeah. it. Uh, there was a movie that already came out. And also, there was actually, I thought, even better um, there was a movie that they did. I think it was actually uh, like a straight HBO movie, like where, you know, it came, came out just on HBO. I don't think they had a theatrical release. I wish I could remember the name of the movie, but it was all about the dropping of the atomic bombs on Japan. So it wasn't specifically focused on the Manhattan Project. But of course, a lot of the people uh, that were pivotal to the Manhattan Project were, were very were prominent involved. in yeah. the story. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really good movie. And I wish I could remember the name of it because I thought it was really well done because they also um, did a lot on the Japanese perspective and they showed a lot of what was going on. Like a lot of people don't realize there was a coup, that there was an attempted coup where, where these uh, young Japanese army officers actually did attempt uh, to, um, to, to, to take basically they were, they basically were going to put the emperor under house arrest. Um, and they were going to continue the war. 
Um, and you, you think of how how freaking crazy that was. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is after the atomic bomb. You know what I mean? It just shows you how how freaking fanatical uh, some some of the Japanese military was at that time. And uh, they, they 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 show that in the movie. And a lot of people don't know that. They don't know that that happened. I I always, I always think that's amazing to me because, you know, on the one hand, you know, these guys were like, these guys like kind of worshipped the emperor. But yet they were willing to basically put him under house arrest. It's like how does how does that mentality even work? How, how do you get to that place? Like you're like they were saving the emperor from himself. You know what I mean? Right. What, what were they even thinking? I wonder about that. Like how, how do you even get there? You know what I mean? The emperor's already said we're done. You know what I mean? And supposedly you value him. You, you think he's a god, but then you're basically saying no. We have to save we have to save the man from himself crazy 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 but it, it does show also the ambiguous nature of the emperor and how how the military and how the how people viewed him you know what i mean as far as it's it's weird it's really weird yeah. when you get into it the, the way that the emperor was was viewed you know in that era of japan it's just really really strange like there's all these stories i heard about like you know, during the and they and they kind of show in the movie, they show some of these 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 uh you know the war council meetings and the emperor's there, but he doesn't say anything, nobody asks him anything, he just sits there, he doesn't run the meeting, and it's and, and I've read about that where literally that's the way it was. They wouldn't talk to him, <laughs> they wouldn't ask him any questions because they thought it was like impolite, and he basically never said anything. It's crazy. You know what I mean? It's absolutely crazy. But uh, they, they did do a, a good job on that. So I guess what I was trying to say is that movie, I thought, did a good job where they were kind of getting into some of this stuff. Right. That's not what Nolan wants to do. He wants to focus on Oppenheimer. You know what I mean? So it's like, is that does anybody really want to see that? Does anybody really care? I don't know. You, you know, Rogue's Gallery, you tell me. You know what I mean? Is that something you want to see? Well, David Mott says, uh, who will be the star in it? Is it going to be Nicolas Cage? By the way, I don't know if they've made any announcements about that. I don't think I'd heard a, 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 any specific casting announcements. But, you know, Nolan can Nolan can get whoever he wants. I mean, so. So All we'll right. see. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm just saying I understand how some people, they get a passion project and Right. They can't uh, they just can't let it go. So exactly. And who knows? I mean, Nolan is a an amazing filmmaker, so he might make it interesting. It might. And, there, and maybe there's something to the story that I don't really know that that's going to be like, oh, just like the, the coup that I was talking about. Like, I didn't know that, you know, until I saw that. Well, movie, I, I mean, didn't realize that that happened. So in, in, a, in a much smaller scale, I have this fascination to do a, a project with these public domain um, characters. Right, uh, Adam Man, you know, um, you know, I like Stardust, the Super Wizard, you know, the Silver Streak. Like, there's all these really weird, oddball, strange. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I really want to do a project with these characters, even though, you know, and there's a group, uh, public domain superhero group on Facebook, which is very active, and there's a lot of people that really love and like these characters, and there's already people doing, like, new stories with them, um, which is really cool. Um, but I've always had this, you know, just fascination to do a project with a lot of these golden age 
you know, characters. I just think they're really interesting. You know, how much of a market for it is, who knows, you know, but um, I just like the idea of it. So it's just like that. You fall in love with an idea of doing something. And, and even if it isn't good for you, or maybe it isn't the best business decision, you do it anyway, because it's what you feel creatively led to do. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it happens. I mean, yeah. it, it absolutely happens. Um, but, but I think that idea is better than, than the Manhattan Project. Still, no, yeah. So. Well, and it's funny because <laughs> what I think of is that I had sent, because my brother's a writer, and, and I had sent him, um, you know, the, a link to the, the wiki page for some of these characters, and I was telling him, I think there's something interesting here. And he called me on the phone, and he was laughing so hard, he said he was going to fall out of his chair. And I was like, well, obviously, he isn't going to write this thing. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. You never know, though. You, you also never know what's going to resonate. Like, you know, again, That's true. Christopher Nolan is an amazing uh, filmmaker, so he might pull it off. It might, it might be a, an amazing movie. So who knows? Well, that's true. And and if anyone could pull it off and make it compelling and interesting, it would definitely be him. Um, you know, I mean, he's, you know, one of the best filmmakers, you know, working today, in my opinion, when you look at the yeah, quality of the films agree, that he's yeah. produced, e even the ones that maybe didn't resonate with an audience as much as, you know, at, you know, the studio and he would have actually liked from a financial standpoint, you know, there's still films that are being talked about. Um, yeah. And still being discussed and, and are considered, you know, very, well, they're very modern, but, you know, very celebrated works. So, but, but it's, oh, it's important to remember though, that even the best filmmakers still make bombs. And, That's and they true. Still make crappy movies. You know what I mean? Some, it, it, there's, there's not one of them that hasn't made at least like, like one questionable movie, you know? So, and, and sometimes they make movies about bombs. There you go. <laughs> as, as this is the case. This is the case, right? So, very true. Sorry, you 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 just kind of set that up and went here. You go. <laughs> no, I I, 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 totally I, agree I, that. I totally. I could not kick that ball. You just like here you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Did you All have right. uh, Did you have anything for streaming wars or any more pop culture news type stuff, Dave? No, that's it. Um, I, you know, I thought it'd be fun to talk about those cards, and and then I wanted to talk a lot about the Cosmic Legion stuff because I think the figures look absolutely incredible. Yeah, um, and and it's really really interesting what they're doing. So that was the majority of, of what I uh, what I wanted to talk about. Cool. Are we ready to wrap it up then? I think so. I think so. Hold on just a second, if you could vamp for a minute. Okay. So. Um... If there was anything else that maybe any anybody in the rogues gallery just wanted to throw out there or anything like that, uh, you're, you're certainly more than welcome to. We are over the the two hour mark at this point, uh, which is kind of long for us. Is we, we try to we try to be more in that hour hour and a half kind of range. So, um, I think we're pretty much ready to wrap it up. Okay, sounds good. Cool. All right. All right, so I want to thank you all for hopefully watching or listening to this episode of the Retro Rogues Live. Um, again, uh, my name is Dave Bay. I've been one of your hosts. So if you're curious to see what occupies a lot of my time or learn more about me, you can uh, definitely check out my t-shirt company. That's uh, kirbytees.com. That's K-I-R-B-Y-T-S.com. Got a lot of fun things over there. We've got uh, the uh, Sarah Aerosmith Aero <laughs> uh, The Brains Are Magic, which is really cool. 
Uh, we've got a lot. Uh, the Skeletor, the, the new and the original version of the Skeletor shirt are now available. I actually did an event and people really liked the other version as well. So both of those are available as well as Retro Rogues t-shirts. We'd like to encourage you to, to purchase one of those and support what we're doing here at the Retro Rogues Live. We greatly appreciate that. But enough about that. I'm going to thank my great co-host, uh, Eric Alexander, as always, providing his unique perspective and, and point of view on all these fun topics that we talk about, whether they be pop culture, collectibles, or even the streaming wars. Eric, please tell the folks who'll be watching or listening at home where they can learn more about you on the interwebs. Well, I'm most active on Twitter. You can reach me there uh, at basegod14. That's at B-A-S-S-G-O-D-1-4. That's also the official YouTube. That's the official Twitch. Uh, so if you make any comments on those platforms, more likely than not, I'll be the one responding to you. But my DMs are wide open on Twitter, so you can always uh, reach me that way. If you have a suggestion for show topics, let me know. Uh, we focus a lot on collectibles. Obviously, obviously, that's like, you know, comic books, trading cards, action figures. Occasionally, we even talk about some video game stuff. So it, it, that, that's always a, a fun thing for us to talk about. And of course, we're always looking for pop culture news stories and streaming wars coverage. If you've heard some rumors, you know what I mean, as far as this uh, possible, uh, you know, uh, sellout that's going to be happening with Paramount. Uh, send that information my way because I, I definitely would like to discuss it. Uh, so uh, Jane says uh, she enjoyed the show. We appreciate that. Uh, Jackie came in uh, late, it looks like, and she said night. Uh, uh, didn't realize that you were you were here tonight. So we, we appreciate you uh, supporting the show. Uh, Hollywood says great show, guys. Bye, everyone. And uh, Asia also says uh, night to everybody. And uh, Mott says uh, great show. Thanks. And we will go ahead and leave him with the last word.